and all I can picture is him frolicking with Taylor Swift on the beach, like wearing a shirt saying, I heart Tay Tay. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. Let's put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, after we covered the original King Kong earlier, we are now taking a look at Kong Skull Island. And really, the whole point of this for me was to torture my co-host. Uh, so I want to find out if I did that. So welcome, Mike, uh, from War Machine vs. Warhorse and my regular co-host on Pop Culture Case Study. Thanks for... Uh, sitting through Kong Skull Island, I'm assuming that was your experience. Uh, no, I made about an hour ten, and then I checked <laughs> out. I bounced, so no, I didn't sit through all of it. Uh, I almost left at the half hour mark, and I think that's where Kong shows up finally. So I stuck around for a little bit longer, but uh, I was sleepy, and I wanted to go home and pet my dog. So <laughs> uh, that's my rating scale for this movie. Would I rather know. be at home with my dog? Yes, okay, so the movie was uh, not very good. Not very satisfying. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this. So uh, I am going to kind of defend this movie. Uh, oh, but I am, I am. So so this movie, uh, I described it online as fun but aggressively stupid. Like, th- this movie is bad. This movie is dumb. This movie will not make you think uh, most of the people are kind of worthless. I think as I was scared of, uh, Tom Hiddleston is horribly miscast as this kind of tough adventurer type. Uh, they, they actually, I actually kind of kind of dug his opening scene where you, you first meet him and he's supposed to be kind of dark and brooding and that stuff kind of works. But then it seems like they throw that character out and create a new one for when he gets to Skull Island. So that's that's a little that's a little sad and doesn't say much for the screenplay, which is weird because at least one of the writers of the screenplay is Dan Gilroy, who wrote Nightcrawler. Uh, but apparently monster movies aren't really in his in his realm. Uh, because I think what makes a great monster movie to me is not just the kind of great special effects and the monster. It's you have to care somewhat about the people. Um, and I didn't find myself caring about any of these people. They all became completely disposable. And it almost seemed like I couldn't even keep track of who was alive and who was dead because they were all kind of disposable. I think they're all dead. I don't. That's uh, <laughs> they're they're just walking. Zombies, meat shields. Um, yeah, yeah. I knew you were going to bring up Gilroy, and I actually looked at it because I was like, "Who the fuck directed this?" It's the Kings of Summer guy, and it, right. I only knew that because uh, our mutual friend, I guess, acquaintance Hiro from True <laughs> Romance, brought that up. And uh, I really came into this one. I think I'd seen half of a trailer for this, so I really didn't know what to expect tonally. Uh, I certainly didn't know it was uh, from the auteur behind Kings of Summer because I don't think any people were walking around wondering like, man, when's his next movie coming out? Like, <laughs> what's you know, he going to do you next? Like the movie, I, it's just something that's well, totally Mike. Understand, he's a white guy who's had some modicum of success, so give him a big budget movie. That's what we do. I'm going to defend him a little bit on that note. Um, I didn't like this movie at all, but <laughs> like, okay, I think that it's. I understood why he got the gig from that opening scene, which is kind of a really 
uh, broad cartoon is what they're going for. They're going for like Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes type <laughs> humor. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I, you know, Kings of Summer was silly. So I guess this is going to, and I had heard from others that some of the trailers sort of hinted at that, that it was John C. Riley is kind of bonkers and out there. Ugh. Uh, so I, I, I guess, okay. You know, it's not like they got, uh, the guy who did, uh, safety, not guaranteed. Right. And then he did, uh, the Jurassic park movie, which really doesn't resemble safety, not guaranteed in any way. This, I think it does resemble Kings of summer as far as this guy's sensibilities. So that's, that's fine. It's no, not good. Yeah. I, I agree with it. I but. think that's fair. I think honestly, for me, the weakest part of this movie is the attempts at humor. And there's a lot of them in this movie. Uh, but for me, they all kind of landed with a thud. I think John C. Riley's character is mildly entertaining in a trailer, but you stretch this out over two hours and it starts to really not work. And it just starts to get, it's the same joke. It's like, uh, I have, I have a beard and I'm crazy cause I've been here for so long. So I'm going to say things that are inappropriate. And it just like, you know, John C. Riley as a comedian, I think is really talented but I think he's much better as a comedian in a supporting role. And he kind of becomes like he's not necessarily a main character, but he's there for the entire movie and is kind of always there kind of cracking jokes and, and making these comments about how crazy it is that he's been here for so long. And that none of that stuff really worked for me. No, no nothing in this movie works. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the Hiddleston introduction. And it's like, yeah, he's this super badass. And all I can picture is him frolicking with Taylor Swift on the beach, <laughs> like wearing a shirt saying, I heart Tay-Tay. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, this isn't working. You're not a badass, dude. Like, you, you look scared. You look scared of life. Right. I mean, and, I, I compared it to when they cast Adrian Brody both in The Last King Kong and in Predators. Like, it's like, that doesn't work for me. That's not, that's not your wheelhouse. Just get and, a man. Get a man. I'm get sure a real a man. man. <laughs> a man who can Jesus. actually grow a beard. That's just <laughs> get that guy. Yeah, and it was just like you know, you look good in tight shirts, and I appreciate I appreciate the work you put in to working out your arms, and I like looking at that. But as a you know, as a character, as a representation of this, you know, this tough guy, like that, no, nah, none of that works. None. Well, uh, they just don't produce them anymore. Right? I, I think, especially right. with British actors, I mean, they're all silver spoon assholes they come in. i mean that's Jesus. there's a there's a there's a divide there i can't remember there the goes article. my uk audience well <laughs> fuck you um <laughs> fix your teeth i guess that, oh, that the, the, the uk joke i can make <laughs> I, I can't remember i because i would i wish i could credit one it, it is a an up-and-coming british actor and he he said this was around the time of uh the like the theory of everything and whatever that asshole's name is that I won't speak, like he's like uh, Sauron or whatever for actors for the Academy. Eddie uh, Redmayne is who you're thinking. Eddie about. Redmayne. <laughs> he was sort of a big target because they were saying um, there's a divide even within sort of the British filmmaking industry of them not representing just regular people. Like none of these these actors right. have had any experience, and they were saying from a professional viewpoint that it was a detriment to that profession to not have life experience to mm. just basically. And we have a little bit of that here. I mean, Ryan Gosling, unfortunately yeah. is kind of a product that you, you have child actors that are like always actors and right. you wonder how do they, but you know, he's, he's done well for himself. So it's not always, doesn't but, it, work but out it's like, way. how do you access any struggle or difficulty or yeah. something different than someone who hasn't had everything handed to them? 
yeah. So I'm not I'm not picking on the UK in particular. I just uh, that, if you can Google that with my really a uh, horrible look at you backpedal all of a sudden. Like <laughs> I just I'm just saying it was an it was an interesting article, and I just was like, yeah. okay, I I would not have thought of that. Um, right. Yeah, Brie Larson. Uh, is she American? Is she Canadian? Who who who, who can knows? I blame here for this? <laughs> uh, you know, I blame Jack- Jacob Tremblay. I think we could blame him. I th- I think I just blame him for everything. I thought he was in the movie, or at least his hair was, because inexplicably <laughs> she tries to lift a plane or a helicopter off yes. of an animal. Yes, it, you're not Captain Marvel yet. Like I know you've signed your soul over to producing shit. She's after you got ready. Your Oscar. She's ready. Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, her. Like. Uh, character which basically is saying uh i don't like war and that's that's i think that's the broad strokes and that's the arc she goes on i don't like war and she takes a picture of things she yeah. is the the tourist in this film with her iphone yeah like, and this click, movie click. is a movie of broad strokes you have brie larson's character of i don't like war and you have sam jackson's character of i love war like those are <laughs> and that becomes the the battle in this movie but i don't think the movie has anything to say necessarily about war it's just more of a backdrop and that was actually something that kind of bothered me about the human characters i think there's there's kind of an easy opportunity to make characters you care about we know kind of looking back at the vietnam war that a lot of soldiers went through a lot and were pretty messed up when they came home from the vietnam war but all of these soldiers seem you know pretty fine like a little annoyed maybe that they have to go on one last mission, but it, it seems like more of a minor annoyance. I just want to go home to my bed. Not like I saw all my best friends die. Like we never, it never gets that deep. And, and I know it's a monster movie and I know they want it to be fun, but I think in order for, for us to care about anything other than the monster battles. And I will say like, I actually, I enjoyed uh, the, the CGI here. I thought, I thought the monster battles were fun. They were, they were, they were a good time, but that's, there's there's not enough Kong in this movie for it to become a good movie because there is a giant s- space in the middle where you're just following the humans. And I just found myself wanting, like, what's what's Kong up to? Like, I'm sure he's just drinking water or eating an octopus, whatever he's doing. But, like, I'd rather go back to him because none of these people are affecting me at all. Well, I found myself wondering if uh, Peter King had dropped his uh, Monday morning quarterback article yet on NFL free agency. And so I was checking my phone. And I'd look up, and oh, Brie Larson is standing there uh, cashing her check, her post-Oscar check. <laughs> um, I was waiting to see if she wouldn't clap for any of the monsters. So oh, I would know, Mike. So I wouldn't know sure that they were bad. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. It, it, no, the, the, you know, in this, in this uh this in this world we live in uh not doing something is just as heroic so i i was expecting these people to just stand there and they would be praised on twitter for just and, standing there and there's a bit of that <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot of standing around there's a lot of just kind of waiting for the next creature or monster attack and i and you could definitely tell i think the directors and the writers care a lot more about the creatures than they do than they do about the people um and you know that's that's fine if all you're waiting for is the inevitable Godzilla King Kong standoff. Like if that's all you want, then we are on the right track. But if you're hoping like I just rewatched, you know, the 1933 version and I cared way more about those characters than I did any of the characters here. Just start like the Peter Jackson thing. Just fucking start on the boat looking at the island. That's like just cut out the 25 minutes of Sam Jackson like coming in with wait 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 hold on you can't say that about peter jackson's movie because they take an hour and a half to get to the island 
They have all the. I just rewatched that movie. They have. Well, a, you can cut that out. Too. They have that a whole a movie. movie. Yeah, three, three and a half. <laughs> they have a whole sure. movie of just setup where they get to the. So don't come on here praising Peter Jackson for for being efficient. Don't come in here. With oh no, that. I'm saying they're one to one. I'm saying it's the same problem. I'm saying why why do we always have to wait to get to the goddamn island? Well, don't with you think that, monkey? Don't you think that's why they had that? I mean, in your opinion, cartoonish opening. Well, that's any action movie. That's I mean, that's like praising right. the Lost World for having like. Let's not uh, get crazy. <laughs> the, <laughs> Whatever you know, the you're going to say, the little girl run over the dune and then scream, and then you cut to Jeff Goldblum yawning. It's the same thing. I, I <laughs> yeah. think they're trying to distract you with how bored you're going to be. <laughs> and I, I think this movie is getting just a pass for absolutely no reason. Like it's like this strange. It's good enough because it was expensive. And it was, I guess, I had to pay to watch an expensive movie, so I need to justify like my time. I, I couldn't justify it at all. I, I spent. See, I don't. I don't think that's why it's getting a pass. I don't think that's why it's getting a pass. I think it's getting a pass. I think you're right. I think it's getting a pass, but I think it's because if you watch the trailers, you knew what you were going to get. This was going to be big and dumb and ridiculous, and that's exactly what came out. How's yeah, it, I don't see. I think ridiculous. I, I think Michael Bay. Like, put the fucking money on the screen. Why am I watching? John C. Riley explained to me the culture of these natives, which I, I mean, I'm sure it's just some made up nonsense because this is an <laughs> island with giant lizards and apes. But I don't ruin like, my dreams, Mike. Don't, don't well, do that. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, th- this whole thing, like he has a line where he's like, you know, they're beyond property now. They're beyond language. And I'm like, no, you're just too fucking lazy to give these people any personality. You'd rather right. just have John C. Riley talk about them while and they, they all there. have huts clearly there's some sort of property going on like he's literally saying that as there's like all these people coming in and out of their own personal living spaces which... what's well, a stupid line anyway <laughs> beyond yeah. property they live on an island with fucking dinosaurs and giant apes yeah i would say it would be like saying that guys in trench warfare are beyond property because they need to live for the next 15 yes. seconds yeah yeah i'm sure they're not thinking about their fancy football team at that moment that the whole movie's stupid. I don't. I don't even understand how you enjoyed a shred of it. I didn't find the CGI really that good. Of course, I watched it in 3D, which because oh, it was like Jesus, the only time Mike. available. So I'm watching it with fucking sunglasses on. You know, it's a big cartoon ape. It, it looks like it's like the Iron Giant. This doesn't look real. This is not Jurassic Park. This is not T2. This is not a revelation. It's just like yeah, it's a big dumb expensive movie that is has not one iota of fun to it. I was miserable the entire time. And I was only happy to see Brie Larson, who is like an internet icon and cultural hero. She is going to be doing garbage for the next decade. And that pleased me in some way, just because I looked at her like I looked at Chris Pratt. And like, you know what? You're not a movie star. I'm pointing my finger at the screen saying, you, Hiddleston, not movie stars. You're terrible. Get fucking movie stars in there. Get me Tom Cruise. I want to see The Mummy. That's what <laughs> well, I Well, I was going to say, you're going to get that. Don't you worry. That's going to happen. <laughs> genuine, beautiful people with fucking charisma. Like, I believe... Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, I wonder if they could pick somebody up at a bar. Like, I'm just like, good Lord, <laughs> oh, you are Mike. so boring. You're on a giant screen on this made-up fantasy island with these awesome creatures, and you're boring me to tears. Like, get Hollywood has a problem, a real problem, having well, like, okay. people that have any sort of charm. One thing I'll say, I'm really enjoying this because I just like to hear you in pain. It's it's my favorite thing, so sure. I'm so glad I put you through this. Um, but I will... I will disagree with one thing you said. I think I don't fault Brie Larson in this movie as far as like not being memorable because she's not given anything to do really. Well, she can I mean, do whatever she call your shot. I mean, do somebody, 
Somebody brought this up online, and it was like supposedly she's like this professional award-winning photographer, and I don't think she changes a lens on her camera one time during this whole oh, process. She like she just about, like she she was she loved playing like a strong, independent woman, and it complicated, like, was, strong character. Really, uh, here, fucking good god. <laughs> yeah, she, I, I mean, I mean that just feels like towing the party line, like going through your interviews and having your your prepared statement. But this is not the movie to talk about strong female characters or strong male characters. I mean, and and I think the other thing is this movie, like, it's one thing to really love an older movie and have odes to it, but, like, this this director's hard-on for Apocalypse Now is on another level. Like, I was just like, uh, one, this is not Apocalypse Now. Like, this is not that deep. You need to calm down. It's just as bad as Peter Jackson bringing up Heart of Darkness every two or three scenes in his King Kong. But it was like, I think people forget that, you know, these movies should be fun. And you can have characters you care about without it being really deep and connected to cinema history. Like, there's there's a balance oh, it's there. Not. <laughs> Don't give me that. He... This his version of Vietnam might as well be fucking Forrest Gump. What are you, you yeah. going about? It's like he cues the same beer commercial rock music. Yep, and I'm just rolling my eyes. Green Clearwater like, made their made their appearance, and I knew it was going to happen. Well, you know, I picked on the, the Brits earlier, or I guess the Brits picked on themselves. I don't know what sort of class warfare they've got going on with very pretty, handsome actors, but this guy, <laughs> it's like this is the problem. This is why there can only be one Tarantino. It's like, you know, that somehow he's able to just live his life through movies exclusively and it doesn't work for other people. It doesn't work here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know you've seen a lot of movies and you've got a $150 million check to to make right. this piece of crap, but you're making us all suffer through it. Like, don't you have your own sensibilities? Don't you have your own thing you want to do? And I, I really question like Kings of Summer because I remember enjoying that. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe just having that little bit of sort of, oddball charm works when you're on a shoestring budget or you don't, you know, you have to have characters that have some sort of imagination. To me, this is like one of the, the least imaginative properties with so much money being spent. Like it, as much as I can't stand James Cameron and his obsession with avatar or Peter Jackson. (laughs) Delayed again. (laughs) Yeah. Or you you mentioned Peter Jackson as King Kong, like Jesus Christ. Like it made me want to go back and watch Jackson's King Kong. Cause I'm like, okay, at least you're in the hands of a professional director. This guy doesn't sure. know what the fuck he's doing. Go back to making funnier die videos. You're an asshole. What are you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So at this point, uh, we're going to jump to spoilers, and I'm going to read a little bit of, of an actual <laughs> listener just, email. Uh, I was going to say, I didn't see it because I left an hour in. So well, I'll, fill you, I'll fill you in. Don't you worry. All right. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right. So uh, I got an email from uh, a very dedicated listener named Pat, who I'm friends with on uh, on Twitter, uh, who also has his own blog. Uh, so if you're interested in Game of Thrones stuff, uh, find him online. It's patrickspinagle.com. Lots lots of material there for you to see. And he really liked this movie uh, more oh, so. God. More so. You yeah. Just did it, you just did him a disservice yeah. by trying to pimp his blog. <laughs> 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 all right um so 
Um, so he sent me an email because he really liked it, uh, liked it better than uh, Godzilla from 2014, which uh, Godzilla, that's a movie that gets some really strong reactions. I think I think I'm somewhere closer. Sleep. No, <laughs> see, this is what I mean. So some people love it, like think it's, you know, it's uh, within this genre is fantastic and brilliant. And some well, people some think people it's like being shit on for sex. And too, some people shut far. up. And some people like you think it's terrible. And I liked it. Didn't love it, uh, but I, I think especially if you get rid of Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think it's actually a very good movie. But unfortunately, he's a main character be in off. that movie. Yeah, that's probably true. All right. Um, so uh, he kind of he kind of talked about uh, he talked about Hiddleston, which we talked about. He said he wasn't miscast; he was fine, but it was a role that anyone could have done that had no depth. Uh, and I know that doesn't sound like he's positive on the movie, but he is. He talks <laughs> a lot about how they kind of created this very, you know, for fans of Japanese film or fans of Pacific Rim, made a really interesting, good kind of kaiju type movie uh, where you get to see. In his words, you get to see the money on screen. You get to see those battles. And he feels like this movie did better with its ensemble cast than Godzilla did. Not everyone had equal moments, but everyone had some kind of moment, even if it was just to be there. Um, uh, Wait, what you, even just to be there? Yep, that's 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 what he says. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but he, will, he does that. also talk about uh, that he and his daughter saw both of these movies. Um, and she just, she thought Godzilla was just okay, but Kong Skull Island sucked her in and she was very engaged and she cried every time Brie Larson and Kong inter interacted, uh, with the Buffalo scene, the face-to-face -face encounter and Kong's protection of Brie Larson during the fight with, uh, with the kind of the big creature. So, uh, what do you take from that? Do you, do you think there is a connection to be made here? Do you think you're just missing something or is this just not no. made for you <laughs> or is this movie just no. not for you? I think it's a mess of a movie. I, I, think, I think it it's it's when you give it to a guy who doesn't know how to tell a story. I mean, it's just basic storytelling here of why are you giving me this information? Why are we spending time on this? You know, Brie Larson thing, I, I don't – yeah, she's there. I, <laughs> that, that's about it. Like, I, I don't know – I don't even know really why they're doing what they're doing. Like, I, I thought a lot about Pacific Rim and, you know, some of the issues I had with that film – is they really have to sort of rush the world building away. Like, you know, you have your, your opening sequence, which is a lot better than the opening sequence here. That's a genuine fight. And it's introducing us to two characters we're meant to care about later. And you see loss, you see the brothers separated here. We get, I guess a younger John C. Riley, And I don't know why I care. I, I, and it's setting the characters up to fail. You're setting these people up to die in funny, ridiculous, stupid ways. Yes. Pacific Rim is also funny and ridiculous at times, but it's also a tale of heroes. And I didn't understand once you get past, once you get to Kong Island and they start bombing <laughs> this land that they know nothing about, but just dropping bombs. I was just like, do I root for any of these people? And yeah, Brie Larson's very anti-war, but she's a stupid person who doesn't <laughs> ask any questions. She's a photojournalist, I guess, who's just like, I think something's going to happen over there. Oh look, we're dropping bombs on this land. I Shoot. guess I'll take some pictures now. <laughs> I, I just, you know, none of these people are worthy of me caring if they live or die, and I don't think the filmmaker cares. I don't think he wants you to care if they live or die. That Sam Jackson has this weird arc where he's Does a he? guy who cares. <laughs> I, he's a guy who cares about his men. I mean, he points a gun at John Goodman's head so much that he decides to continue to put them in danger. Yep. I don't what yep. what what 
what reality are we in here? Like that's that's where I disagree with you saying it's fun. If you're gonna go that sort of off world, just be a cartoon. Don't don't try to have these these sort of strange philosophical conversations when you then want to kill someone through a like a spider leg through the throat and make it sort of funny and goofy. I'm just like, all right, I, I don't know if I'm meant to care about people or not. That's yeah. See, those are the part I, I mentioned. Like, there's this big middle section where a lot of the monsters kind of disappear, and that that's the part that's the worst to me. I would actually rather rather they went even crazier. Like, just know that none of these characters matter. Like, don't even give them names. Just give them numbers because you know it's just a matter of time until each one of these is ticked off and there's no more people. You know, like it's like I don't know why they they bothered with this whole like uh, this whole dear Billy. Thing, this whole like the dad writing God. the letter to his son and none of that stuff worked it was just like Awful. oh this is pointless the other thing that pat brought up in his email which is an interesting point i think is he the reason he liked this better than godzilla is he felt like there was a real human villain in this movie with samuel jackson's character whereas in godzilla all the humans just kind of were either trying to do good or they sat back do you think in a monster movie you need no. someone to root against well, no, why? It's just a big dumb ape, and he's just swinging at shit. What? Are you, but King Kong uses tools in this movie. I love that. I love. I love the fight sequences. I had. I had a great time. I wish they lasted longer. Like I wish more of the movie was about Kong rather than that. I didn't like the scene of him, you know, fighting the octopus. I thought that was frankly kind of boring and just an attempt to show off the CGI. But the actual fight sequences were fantastic. I had a good time. I didn't understand the need to have John C. Riley say like, "Oh, Kong's the protector, and he protects from these ugly, <laughs> ugly ass creatures that drill up from the ground." And I just like, I was like, I, "Do I care?" Which well, wasn't that just a way? Doesn't wasn't that just a way to get our human characters involved in this fight at the end to help out Kong? Because otherwise, they have no reason to. They should just run. They should just get out of there. And what's wrong with that? What is wrong with just running? What's wrong with the chase movie? That's that's something Peter Jackson's movie got right. Like when they're dropped on the island and they kind of go through those those extended monster sequences. And they are it's extended. Just it is just get the fuck out of here. Like it is just. Yeah. And I think those those like I actually like a lot of Peter Jackson's movie. If you could just take a hatchet to it, and it's yes, like if you I just agree. make it one big chase movie on the island. I think it's really well done. And mm-hmm. here, I I don't care. I don't I don't I don't care if Kong eats seafood or not. I don't you know. <laughs> I find it disgusting. I didn't like it in Old Boy. I don't like it here. I was gonna say I heard that like actually the the director is a big fan of Korean cinema, so that might have been an ode oh, to God. Old Boy. So this explains well, that's, that's why, that's why, why you why hate I didn't it. Know anything that's... about uh, storytelling then? Because they don't tell stories either. Oh, you're terrible. You're horrible. You're wrong about all that. Which is which is fine. Um, so, uh, kind of, I guess, I guess we can wrap up at this point and I'll tell you what happened at the end since you didn't bother to fucking no, sit care. through it. I really don't care. So now we have a setup. <laughs> so now we have a setup for Kong versus Godzilla. We find <laughs> out in a, uh, in a post, uh, post credit sequence, which you love, I know, cause it's a commercial for the next movie. I thought mm-hmm. of you all during this movie because there's lots of setup with like, you know, the ground being hollow and these things coming up and the, you just know that they're setting up for Godzilla versus King Kong. Like, even if you didn't know anything about the world, you know, they're setting up for the next movie. So how excited are you, Mike, for the inevitable showdown of Godzilla versus King Kong? Oh, I mean, I won't see it. That's fine. (laughs) If other people are, you know, happy with it, that's that's cool, I guess. But I mean, I I didn't like Godzilla. I didn't like this. This is to me is worse than Godzilla. I guess it's that's the first right thing you said. 
That's yes, you're right. <laughs> well, Godzilla, you know, I I at least thought like, okay, this is they set out to do something, and it's just not for me. Uh, it's really boring, but it's like, okay, that they made a choice to do the Jaws thing and sort of hide the monster and mm. here they go the other way and i wasn't happy with that either so yeah they they really i mean i will say this if you are the type of person that didn't like that godzilla hid the monster watch this because you're gonna see the monster yeah yeah they, and, they I, and i and i honestly think that the sequence uh with the helicopters is probably the best sequence in the movie like i, I think that was exciting that was fun uh and it it but it did set up this this idea of like these people no one cares about these people because like i don't know how many people died in that sequence but it seemed like more people than showed up on the island so there is plenty of carnage in that opening sequence but i thought it was technically impressive it's uh it's a movie <laughs> i guess in the sense that it was projected on a screen somewhere once again mike comes back with it's no collide that's <laughs> Clyde was fun. <laughs> so was I this. It. This was, it was fun not too. fun. <laughs> this was not fun. Like Collide is an actual chase movie. This is a uh, wander around and see if Brie Larson can be a stupid ass and try to lift a thousand pound machinery or John C. Riley talk about the Cubs and a hot dog. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Just, just run. Just that's all you need to do. Just run. So John C. Riley with the samurai sword is, is not your cup of tea is, is what you're telling me. I don't even know if I made it that far. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know what they were doing. Like I, I, there were multiple times I walked out, I went to the bathroom and I was just like, I, I really, you know, during my long extended pee, I'm like, do I leave? Do I go back and get a chance? <laughs> I, went, I put my headphones in and I was like, I'm gonna start listening to a podcast or something. And I go back in and I'm like, all right, let's give it, let's give it a little bit longer. Uh, I think they got on the boat. Yeah. The flare, they fired the flare and I was about <laughs> to see Sam Jackson come back together with the group. And I knew that he was going to go off the rails and Brie Larson was, uh, going to hug him, but not clap for him. And I wasn't going to enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Mike says, skip it. Uh, I say if, uh, if, I mean, th- we talk about a lot, in movies, like if you could turn off your brain, like really, you need to really like actively not what does think. That mean, Dave? Why are you it, telling it people? It means what it means is that not every movie is destined for greatness. Not every movie has to change your <laughs> life. Sometimes you just want to escape, and this is escapist fair to to the extreme. Like you, you cannot many, think during this movie. How low do we have to make the bar for this movie in the review? We're like we're comparing it to Godzilla, which was pretty much universally hated. We're saying was I like that, that movie. <laughs> now I you're, enjoyed you're it. really, really telling people do not think. Don't you know what? Don't, don't. Even breathe. Die in the theater. <laughs> Just you'll hold your breath. This. You'll be fine. It's God. you know. But there are some people who I have strangely talked to online and really, really enjoyed this movie. And it just feels like sometimes in you know, when we talk about movies, we're just so wanting to find the next great thing that sometimes we get way too excited about something that's just, I mean, mediocre has become a bad word, but mediocre just means it's middling. It's, it's right in the middle. It's, this enter- is not mediocre. It is. This is it's, really bad. No, it's not. It's, it's entertaining. It's entertaining <laughs> enough. You know, will I, will <laughs> I ever, will I ever watch it again? Multiple times will I ever watch <laughs> it again? Probably not. But I'm glad I saw it. I had a good time. You're glad you saw it? Yeah. I just thought, I was like, oh my God, I wonder how many more years I have. I'm going to get hit by a car. 
on you're, the way back. You're not even old enough to have those thoughts, you fucking child. Get it together. You say that, <laughs> you say that but tragedy can strike. You know, War Machine versus War Horse. You, probably, you probably avoided tragedy by going to this movie. You could have died in your oh. home. You could have been hit mm-hmm. by a car. But instead, Would've you had, spent uh, at least an hour in this movie theater. <laughs> Would have had a, a greater character arc and more storytelling in my death. If I had died in my sleep, it would have been a better story than what this guy is. I don't even know this guy's name, but you know, he'll probably do Kong versus Godzilla and continue to suck ass. <laughs> All right. Uh, so just remember, uh, Mike hates everything, and I don't. Uh, this Clyde is just more really proof. <laughs> Jesus, Clyde, Clyde was, was really, really good. I was Clyde was also get out, get mediocre. Get pretty good. Also uh, mediocre. What are you yeah. See, okay, here's what I understand. Get Out comes out to Universal Acclaim, which I thought was, you know, a bit pretty much, good, but it's it's pretty good. So why are you so desperate to get people to go see Kong when there's Get Out? Like that's that's good, solid entertainment. Get Out has already made a hundred million dollars. Everyone who's going to see it has probably seen it at this point. And I already said everyone should see that movie. I really enjoyed it. Go see also Get Out again good. instead of this. Like you know, you'll 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 thank me later. I, I promise you. No one will ever thank you. Stop it. All right. Uh, so before uh, before we take our break, anything coming up on that uh, that hack of a show that I give money oh, to Jesus. now? I'm not talking about Kong. I know that. Um, <laughs> what did we talk about? We talked about okay. I'll go. The, I'll go the complete other way. We talked about that, a that Greek film, movie. That's the Greek movie about a guy who really wants to fuck a younger girl, and I was riveted. <laughs> I'm I, sure I you it. were. I have no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Mike is like, finally, a movie that speaks to me. Well, you know, in our review, we talked about how, you know, it's not that unique. It's really not that original of a concept. Uh, I liked it a lot more uh, than my co-host on that particular episode. But I think I shouted out The Great Wall because that's when we recorded that one. I'm like, you know what? This may not be unique, may not be original, but it was entertaining. I wanted to see if this guy could achieve his goal of having sex with this younger girl, (laughs) this sort of (laughs) disgusting middle-aged obese man and i just want you know i want to see if he could climb that mountain and uh that's far more interesting to me than uh this cgi crap fest we had with kong i would love to have seen kong like on vacation with a bunch of spring breakers seeing if he could you know find the next lovable blonde the next one that could just open her heart to a giant ape that to me would have been riveting as well but instead we got this so you wanted more romance that's that's where kong went wrong that's it is strange, uh, and I, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of interesting that Brie Larson wasn't forced to, to do that, that they kind of avoided that, that particular trope, uh, but instead they uh, they didn't write anything for her to do. So it's like they took away the one thing that's sort of iconic about this, this female open-hearted relationship, anti-military, anti-aggression type stand. Mm-hmm. Instead, all she says is, I don't like war, but I make my money off of it. I cash those checks, and I guess I guess this is the truest sense we'll get of Brie Larson. She will cash those checks. Oh, you just had to get one last shot in. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are going to take a break and then come back uh, with Brit for Fangirl Fixation, and we're watching one of the original monster movies, which is The Beast uh, from 20,000 Fathoms, and we will talk about what's coming out next week. This is Chris Maynard. I'm host of the following films podcast. Every week I discuss a current release with one of the creative forces behind the film. Whether it's Giles Nutkins talking Heller Highwater, Leah Thompson discussing her work on Trouble with the Truth, or Jeremy Sandy chatting about his work on the Deepwater Horizon. You can find our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you find podcasts. Even better yet, you can go to followingfilms.com, check out our latest episode, get some film news, reviews, and all sorts of goodness. Uh, that was my son, Jacob. He says hello, and he really wants you to check out the show. 
All right, hi everybody. We're back, so it's time for fangirl fixation. Uh, again, we're recording in the living room, and the dogs have lost their minds. So, if you hear them, I apologize. It's not some creepy uh, phone call you're getting. Someone panting. It's just a dog. I Is swear. that in reference to our friend from the other night? It was. Yes, uh, we were at an event, and uh, I got a phone call, and I picked it up, and they said, "I can see you." Uh, so that's the kind of friends we have. Mm-hmm. They're creepy, so that's that's good. Oh, and she meant that specifically just for you. She didn't actually try to call me. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I feel yeah. special. Yeah. All right. Uh, so anything you want to talk about before we talk about uh, you know, film education and what's coming up this week? You mean like how you like to give me the ultimate teases in Game Girl history? Sure. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, so Dave's trying to be nice, and uh, he bought me the new Zelda game. I don't have a Switch yet because they're completely out of stock. Yeah, to be fair, I knew that <laughs> and I told her this is a future gift. This is something you can use in the future when I get you the rest. I know, but now I have to stare at it until at least April. You know, you don't have to stare at it, right? Like, you don't have to stare longingly at it. You I'm could... just going to know it's there. Well, I forgot that I left it out on the coffee table, so now it's haunting me. <laughs> just looking at you. Yeah. God damn it. You could be playing Zelda. <laughs> but you're not. No. Um, so, um, I guess we should jump into film education this week. So, of course, this week our movie had been Kong Skull Island, so we were thinking about monster movies. And you've actually seen, I think, more monster movies than I have. So, this is a little bit of a switch, because, you know... Probably. You know, we covered the original... movies. Like, all the typical guy movies I watched. It's like we covered the original King Kong, you've seen the original Godzilla, you've seen Mothra, you've seen, like, all the big... All the biggies, right? Yeah. So I decided to kind of go find something not only she hasn't seen, but I haven't seen that's like important to the history of monster movies. And what we settled settled on was, uh, I think it's called the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, or the, think, the yeah. creature from Twenty Thousand no, Fathoms. It, if it's not the Beast, then, it's the Beast. Yeah, because yes. like they kept using the word Beast. So if it's not the Beast, then I'm going to be really upset. Uh, that's right. During the movie, they kept <laughs> talking about the Beast. You're right. So uh, this is a movie in my very cursory research that told me like it was one of the kind of precursors to Godzilla. Um, this is from 1953, and it's basically I mean we don't need to go over the the actors because no one will recognize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think probably the most important person associated with this is uh, Harryhausen, yep. who's kind of the king and the start of stop motion animation, and that's how all the uh, the Beast stuff was done. Um, so what did you think of the movie? What did you think of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? You mean just as a movie or The File? Because I have a lot of things to say about The eh, File. We're not going to talk about The File. That's not important. <laughs> no one else will have that file. So what did you think about the movie? Uh, I liked it for the most part. I liked that it was only an hour and 20 minutes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, though I still didn't make it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's one of those movies that like it knows what it is. It's there to be a creature feature, and that's it. Yeah, there's no there's no extra fluff. Like they give like these little moments of like, oh, romance, but you don't really care about it. And the movie doesn't really care about it either. No, like no. it's just like it's used to move the plot further to get back to the creature, which I appreciate. And I yeah. think most movies don't know how to do anymore. To be fair, I think some movies get judged harshly when they do that too. Like, oh, well, this is stupid then. Like, why even have human care? You know what I mean? Uh, so there's a weird balance. That you have to strike, like you have to, you have to care a little. Because I think this movie does a good job. I think you care at least minimally about these people, right? Um, but it's you don't focus so much on them that you're like, um, I'm here for the monster. I don't know if you knew, right? Yeah, but it's called the creature. So can we get back to that? They did give him some really pimp one liners, though. Yeah, they did. Yeah, he was pretty smooth. Yeah, I mean, there's a little. I mean, you know, granted, any movie from the '50s, you start 
looking at kind of uh, interactions between men and women. <laughs> it's tough already. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about that on this hey, week's episode on King I mean, Kong. For but... for this movie, they're pretty progressive. Like she's she's college educated. She has a job. She has a job. <laughs> she's an assistant in education, like right. in higher education. She works for a professor, and she knows her stuff. And, yeah, and she, and like and she's the one who starts off being the authority mm-hmm. on the creature itself, like yeah. where it could possibly be coming from. So and the other I cool think thing this is, the most is they never so turn far. her into a damsel in distress. Really. Right. Yeah. She doesn't get like knocked out. She doesn't get taken by the creature. She's, she's not. King Kong's hand. Yeah, exactly. She's not that cool. Uh, <laughs> sadly, she's not in that Jessica Lang territory. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of, I was actually relatively impressed. Like, no, this is not, there's nothing in here as far as acting that's going to blow you away. But it also wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Because you think like Creature Feature in the, from the 50s, yeah, it's going to be horrible. I thought it was going to be pretty rough. Um, and it was actually fairly enjoyable and it had a good pacing to it, which you also don't really see in this era of movies. Yeah, we like to, I mean, if you look at, we've talked recently off mic about Peter Jackson's King Kong and kind oh, of God. stretching and stuff. Like anytime you have, honestly, I think anytime you have a monster movie that's longer than maybe two hours and five minutes, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, just calm unless, down. Unless it's a monster movie where you're having to have two origins because it's like a battle royale type situation. Right. There's no point. Like, you don't need to focus on one monster for two and a half hours. Right. Yeah. And honestly, even if you have two origin stories, like if you have, you know, Godzilla, you have a nuclear test. You have King Kong. You have, you know, Faye Ray showing up. You have, I mean, Andero's character showing up. And yeah. that's it. Like, it's not like these monster movies need, like... 45 minutes of exposition no. to to get there. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like this, That's the only time that I can like actually explain right. away and be okay with a two and a half hour monster movie is if you have two monsters that have to get to the point to where they're fighting. Right. Yeah. And even but then it's like kind of hard for me. Like, I mean, especially, right. if, and I think what American movies really lack is the ability to build up a story around kaiju like mm. the Japanese do. Like, I mean, they have years and years of history and stories, like Experience, whether yeah. it's it's like live action or anime, like they know how to make the kaiju also part of the sympathetic world. Mm. Sure. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit, but I think the other problem with American-made movies is they try to make you too sympathetic of the monster it's Mm. still a monster yeah i mean that's interesting it is a really tough balance and i you know because you have to you have to have this balance of like you have to fear this thing it is a monster that could destroy cities and the world all this stuff but you also have to have a rooting interest in one way or another and i think like that's that's like a movie like pacific rim which is essentially a kaiju movie um i think it takes a shortcut Right? right, where you have humans inside one of the things that are battling, so you have an right. automatic rooting interest. Well, and yeah, and that's and that's what I'm talking about is like that. Like, I mean, Pacific Rim is obviously very much influenced by the kaiju culture yes. and all the mecha that happens mm-hmm. in Japanese film and animation. So, like that, I think that's why it was easier. I, I think that's also why people are haters too, because mm. I think you get very polarized when you get to anime and Japanese films. Sure. So I think. Pacific Rim did a really good job of trying to bridge that, but then it's also like people are like, "Oh, I don't like that because it's foreign." Mm. <laughs> well, I, I think like I mean, yeah, you bring up some really good points, and I think the the kind of otherness of it, the the foreign nature of it, is not so much like I don't like it just because it's foreign, but just because this is not like 
as American audiences, we haven't been weaned right. on Right, but that's Kaiju what I mean. Like, movies. yeah. Because... And it's a very different, like, not only aesthetic, but just, like, a way of telling a story that maybe, like, American audiences don't see as, it's not as subtle, it's not as layered. Well, it is very thing, in your face. The other thing I noticed um, with watching this movie as well is that the difference between American monster movies and things that are Japanese or Japanese influenced or even Korean, like Mm -hmm. more towards that side of the world. Um, The military persona and reactions to the monster are very different. Hmm. Americans are way more aggressive and like, let's kill it. There's a lot of that in this movie for sure. Right. And that's (laughs) what I'm saying. Bazookas. And (laughs) so like, I think that that says a lot is about us as a culture where we're like, we have to like eliminate this threat. And with like, even with Pacific Rim, like the ideation over it was, Yes, we need to protect things, but let's do this a smart way. Right. Like they were they were plotting, they were planning, they were finding different ways to minimize damage. Right. Whereas American monster movies are like, you know what, let's just fuck everything up. Yeah. There's even just some moments kill it. there's even some moments of this movie, not just from the military perspective, but from the way the, the creature interacts. It's just like it seems like in a lot and granted, you are way more experienced in this kind of movie than I am, but it seems like in the the Japanese versions of these movies that I've seen, it's almost as if the humans and the the buildings they're in the way, so they get destroyed. Yeah. Whereas, like in this, it was like I see a car smash. Right. I see a person eat. Like it's because just... <laughs> because Americans want to build up the threat more. Right. Like yeah. that's that's like it's part already a hundred feet tall. I don't need it to be any more threatening. Like... Yeah, with and with other monster movies, it's more of like yeah, like you were saying, like it, like this thing's in the way. Right, like, it's an accidental thing. Like the monster stumbles into it, or the monster's too big for an area. Where right. especially in in this movie, like yeah, like the lighthouse, the thing was just like I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, like and there's Stop no shining reason. in my eyes. Right. <laughs> Like, like, and there's no explanation. Like, it would be understandable if it was like a, a monster that didn't like light. Right, right. But this but was just it was just like destruction. Right. And they seem to be very like into the shots of the like because you can't see the monster. It's obviously stop animation. Right. But like where the it just crushes things from the outside to the inside, mm-hmm. and then your scenery on the inside just explodes in <laughs> towards the actors. Yeah. It's a fun with that stuff. Like I, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty kind of impressed with the special effects for it being from the 1950s. I thought yeah. they did a really good job. Okay, so originally I thought that the reason why this file was so big and stupid was because they were cutting it with modern footage because some of it felt that way a little bit. Oh, interesting. But I think it was just like because they did something weird with the film quality when they were right ripping it. You know, it's funny as you were kind of talking about these like these monster movies from other places i'm like kicking myself because now there's a movie that i wish i would have picked instead of this there's a movie called the host which is a korean oh yeah monster and, movie. and that's and one like, that i haven't actually seen i was yeah. like damn it dave oh like as, as soon as you said korean i was like oh that would have been perfect Ugh. but i'll still just make you watch it separately even if we don't do it for right. this. um but back to uh the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms what did you think of the actual creature because that's really what these movies are about when you boil it down. Okay, so the first shot, I thought they were just using an iguana. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does have that iguana walk. Yeah. For sure. Well, because in the first shot that you see of the monster, it's pretty much just like the like the tail of it walking away. Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> I thought it was going to be like one of the, like the super B-rated of like, oh, we're just filming an animal right, to right. be the Rah. monster and then superimposing <laughs> right, it. Right, exactly. Um. <laughs> I, I think it does suffer from some of the things that you were talking about where it comes off kind of cutesy. Yeah. Um, there was something about it that wasn't... like it went. Do you like, think that... You mentioned earlier this idea of 
like the Japanese version of these monster movies, like these creatures becoming like someone you root for and something you care about. Do you think that cutesy nature of the Harryhausen animation like aids it in that? No, I don't think it was done purposeful. Okay. Like, I think it was just like that was the technology and the ability they had at the time. I think this monster would have been better. Like, I know a lot of people like got pissed off with the newest Godzilla of like how you don't really see Godzilla. Um, I think this kind of like that. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. I think this movie would have done better never seeing the face of the monster. Mm. I think the body worked as being like kind of terrifying when they showed things. Um, I think they did a good job with scale too. See, I was actually gonna complain about that. Okay, because I feel like their scale changed according to what shot they were showing of the body. Like when they were showing close ups of like just the legs or the tail or something like that, they make it seem much larger. Yeah, and then when they show a full body. It seemed very large, not as if like, because you're right, the scale was not consistent yeah, at all. But there was also never a moment where I felt like, oh, this thing is actually really tiny. Like you, you did like in no, every No, but it was definitely it one of those big. things that when they showed a full body shot of the monster, you're like, well, that was smaller than they were making it out to be. Right, right. Which then kind of takes you in and out of the movie. I and that's that. why I think they needed to avoid focusing on the full body and the face mm. so much. Or if they did do the face, like, just do the face like they did where it was obstructed with the water, like, when we were talking about with that first shot with yeah. the the, um, the boat. Like, that way it's, like, because then you also don't focus on the feature so much of, like, oh, this isn't real. Right. Like, because then yeah. it's just, like, this blurry, like, not, like big teeth thing coming at you. Yeah, as I was watching it and kind of thinking about, you know, the new King Kong and Peter Jackson's King Kong and all that, I started wondering what this was like for an audience in the 1950s. Because, like, I think we've talked about this when it comes to movies and when it comes to video games. Like, when the when we've hit our peak special effects for what it, it can be now, it feels like, oh, wow, that feels really scary and that feels really real. And then you go back 30 years and you're like, that looks stupid. So it makes me wonder, like, what audiences, because they've never seen a right. creature on screen, like what this felt like. And the same thing with the original King Kong. Like I found myself wondering, like, do you think that was scary for people in the 1950s or did it come off as false as it does now? I have no idea. Any guesses? <laughs> no, because I think, I think the thing too is like that era is so different from ours. Like this is like the 1950s is a world that's rebuilding itself after a world war. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're going to be focusing on does that look real? Sure. Um, because they've already dealt with a real monster. Yeah. So I, I think I think that that era was still so much about escapism that mm. they were not as nitpicky and critical as our generation is. Yeah, that's probably true. And also, there's not as much film history to right and like and at. and at that point, like film was still so new. Yeah, and so many people didn't actually get to see film. That was yeah. a, that was a huge privilege. Right. Um. Yeah. So you're talking about like major, like areas of our society that's not even getting to experience this medium right like i and if think they happen to see this one then it's like you have even less like you have even less history with it this right. does seem even more impressive right so i i think that like in that era everything's going to be shock and awe no matter yeah. what the special effects are that's true uh did you have any like favorite sequences in the movie was there anything that stood out to you as like oh i really like this i mean it'll probably be an action beat because that's like Basically, all the movie is like the rest of the movie is kind of biding time. Until we get I, so, back to the funnily monster. enough, like my favorite thing is when he's attacking the ship, even though it looks fake as shit. Like that was just 
I don't know. There was something amusing to me about that. It's like a kid in the bathtub with their toy, like, ah, yeah. stinking you. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. I think mine was the lighthouse. I think that was my favorite sequence. I thought, I mean, I felt bad. It was the, I think it was the only time in the movie I felt bad for the people because these were just guys working in a lighthouse. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, just hanging out. They didn't do anything. They didn't fire any guns. They didn't go out to this creature. This creature came to them. And I just liked the the kind of work they did with the miniature, with the model, like yeah. not only it being destroyed from the inside, but seeing the wreckage afterwards, I thought that was actually pretty well done. This is when my inner monologue took over because uh, I have a thing about spiral staircases. I have a love hate relationship uh, with them. Yeah. So you love to what, look like, at them. I love to look at them. I don't love to be on them um, because it triggers my vertigo really badly. Mm-hmm. So and they were like running, down and they were like running down out. it, and then like they get smashed, and all I could think was, "This is why you don't use spiral staircases." Oh yeah, you would have been downstairs already. I love that. That's what you took from yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So uh, we always kind of ask on this section: um, do, one, do you think this is a great movie? I think it is. Like especially mm-hmm. for the era, like I think it, I think it was really progressive, and I think they did a lot with it that most monster movies took from. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see like the So that's like of the it. next question. So where how did you think what what portions of this do you think have been taken and moved forward in film? Uh can we not ask questions that sound so detailed and school like? No, I'm just you started to talk about that. You said I know, you, but you, now you like cut me it probably would have gotten there naturally, but now it. now it's done. It's I doubt done. It. I can't. it wouldn't have gone there. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> so so in like, you know, you're the, you're a big fan of these kind of monster movies, especially the the kind of especially the Japanese ones. Did you see anything in this that you saw in other movies like it? Okay, so like I think I think the thing is that we need to separate this out by culture because I think this is influenced oh, American keep the culture movies. separate, huh? Well, let's see. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying because it's like I don't think this influenced any other culture because they kind of had stuff down already, like they had their own thing and they had their way of working it. I think it influenced American culture for sure because then we kept it as like. The monster is this big bad that has no driving force but to destroy. Mm-hmm. Like so, and I think that stuck with our movies. Like mm. even when we're rebooting another culture's movie mm-hmm. and destroying it, we do that. Like I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's always it's always the the monster is this big evil that has no reason for destroying stuff, and we just have to get eliminated. It's it. just teeth. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think I think it definitely influenced movies to keep going down that direction, and I think. Part of the problem is that we get stunted and like, like, it's this thing that I've noticed that Americans have such a love affair and like nostalgia that hits them. Like, oh, we, yeah. like we've talked about this, like how people are like, oh, the la- like the last reboot of King Kong was the best movie ever. And like, no, y'all were bitching in the movie theaters like right. on a regular basis. Um, I think, I think we get so stuck in trying to recreate a feeling we had when we first saw a movie that we right. don't progress. Right. Especially in monster movies. And granted, he's not uh, American, but it's kind of, it's the same thing with Peter Jackson making that movie. King Kong is his favorite movie ever made. Right. So he's trying to recreate that feeling he had when he was a child. So he just couldn't say no to anything. So the movie balloons to three and a half hours and Lord of the Rings is really popular. So no one would say no to him because he just made everyone a billion dollars. So now it's just like, I just, you know, spending all this time and money trying to get back to this really simplistic thing. So I know this is like, I mean, so it's technically sci-fi, but it's also very much a monster movie. The Aliens franchise, I think, is one of the few franchises that has taken a scary monster Mm -hmm. and has continued to make it terrifying. 
Yeah, and in different ways with different people at the helm, which is even kind of weirder. Like yeah. you don't usually. So see I would like I would like to see the movie like the monster movie franchise like take some tips from that. Right. Of like you can take something that you loved from another era right. and still make it fucking scary. Yeah, and I think I think you know, granted, we're you know getting uh, moving into aliens, but I think the thing that makes that franchise really cool is not only different directors, but different styles of movies. Right. Like the first movie is very much like a. It's more. It's almost more uh, suspense slash horror. Whereas the second one is like pure action, and the third one is a chase movie. Like it's like yeah, but they're all very. But ultimately, it's all surrounded around this monster, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, like there's a way to do it, and I think we like when we do the bigger monsters, mm-hmm. we get stuck on it being something specific. Like, like yeah. it has to have a specific feeling. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it, like I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the difference between doing a, you know, a rehash, a reboot and like continuing a series. Like I think when you do a King Kong movie, when you do a Godzilla movie, there's this pressure to have these odes and to make it look like the thing from 1930s or 1950s. Uh, And it would I think it would be nice to to get away from that. And I think the only way Hollywood gets away from that is making series of movies, unfortunately. Or being more open to things like Pacific Rim. Well, they're making a Pacific Rim too. Yeah, so. and there's a bunch of haters out there. That's fine. There were haters on the first one, and it still made a bunch of money worldwide. So we have to depend on the world market for Pacific Rim because it bombed here. Yeah, I know. So it makes me very sad because that was an amazing movie. I don't care what any of you say. Yep, I totally agree. All right, um, so now we are going to move on. Uh, I think to what's coming out this week. Um, so we have three releases this week. Uh, the first, I think if I hadn't read the uh, the synopsis after we watched the trailer, I'm not sure we would have known what was going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's a new horror movie called Raw uh, that's supposed to be coming out. It says, when a young vegetarian undergoes a carnivorous hazing ritual at a vet school, an unbidden taste for meat begins to grow in her. That's the synopsis on IMDb. So, Britt, uh, you look so happy. What did you think of the trailer for Raw? Well, before we read the synopsis, I was very confused. And then after we read the synopsis, I was even more confused. <laughs> so, um, I think this is going to be like one of those stupid Netflix hot take movies where people are going to be like really into it. I think it's more of a political statement than a movie, which I think is also stupid. Um, and again, this is just from the trailer. Like, who knows? What the movie's actually going to be, but it makes the, me, the trailer doesn't really show much. No, but say like, much. but with, like with the synopsis, like it, it's like seems like this whole thing of like, oh, she was a vegetarian and then she ate meat and now she craves the flesh of other people. <laughs> like, okay, we get it. You don't want to eat meat. That's fine. Can we go make a Plants vs. Zombie movie that like says if you eat plants, you become a zombie? <laughs> just, just let it go. Like, like that, like. Especially since it seems like, and granted, we haven't seen the movie, and I don't particularly want to, but um, it it seems like most movies where you start craving flesh, there is some virus that pushes it. Right. Like the zombie type. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, this alters the person. And it feels like this is just saying, oh, she had raw meat, so now she wants to eat people, which is stupid. Oh, that's not, that didn't happen at you? When you had sashimi for the first time, you didn't 
immediately start just wanting to or what was that other thing arms. that we had on our honeymoon the steak stuff oh steak tartare oh yeah sure yes. whatever i think it was called something else though that was a longer name yeah probably but was this, it essentially the same idea and delicious yeah um yeah no i'm not suddenly wanting to take a bite out of a person and also in that film it like they have a shot with her with a human being and it's not like cannibalism it's vampirism in that shot which yeah. also made it really confusing because she's like salivating over a raw piece of meat and then she's sucking the blood out of a guy yeah, it definitely appeared like more like erotic than violent in that moment like i think yeah. she's fighting like it's either his neck or like it's the his crook wrist of his arm or something or, like or, yeah because yeah, it's, it's above his head so yeah. and it didn't seem like he was minding it too much no i mean he was gonna put that out there so, so. yeah I mean, this is definitely one of those movies for me that it's either going to be horrible or it's going to be really surprisingly good. Like, it feels like one of those movies. Um, but definitely, like, seeing the trailer did not make me want to run out and go see it. No. For sure. Like, there was actually not... There weren't that many interesting images in the trailer. There wasn't any interesting dialogue. It just... It felt like trying to be artsy horror a little too hard. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I also don't find it believable that, like veterinarian school is super erotic hey i don't know any vets out there tell us did you have uh it's a big party school if you went to went to vet school party school is like? different than it being like super erotic like that makes me a little uncomfortable if you're having a lot of erotic experiences around my animals <laughs> jesus all right we're gonna move on uh so the next movie on our list is disney's beauty and the beast their latest live action remake of a of a cartoon um which have been you know in their defense really really successful like Maleficent I, sucked. Yeah, you really did hate Maleficent. Um, but it made a shitload of money. It did, but it still sucked. Um, and hate Cinderella everybody. also did really well. I like Cinderella. Yes, I know. I wasn't saying you didn't like it. All I'm saying is the reason that these keep getting made is because they make boatloads of money. Yeah, there are so many on deck, actually, I just found out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, they can't wait. They're just like, I mean, so, they're making a live action so one, Dumbo, for This God's one's coming sakes. out. The Dumbo's <laughs> coming out. Um, they're doing a Little Mermaid. And Aladdin now. Yeah. Because my friend uh All I know me, is Aladdin, they better have a Middle Eastern cast. They're That's actually... Why. So, okay. So, this is how I found out about it. Because um, my co-worker sent me... My co-worker slash bestie. Uh, he sent me the flyer for an open casting call. And they're su- specifically looking for Middle Eastern descent. But they're also only looking between the ages of 18 to 25. Yeah. Um, and sense. he sends me this flyer with the comment, I'm brown. He is not Aladdin. I hate to. I hate he to wants to be genie. Oh, all right. He wants to be I genie. He was like, you can superimpose that shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that with an Aladdin movie, that's the biggest worry is replacing Robin. Williams. I don't know. That's yeah, tough. I don't. That's tough. I don't know how they're going to do that, and I'm not really. I just in have of it. so little faith when it comes to diversity casting that all I can think of when you say that is like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, like that's like that is like the open casting call currently that he found that he showed me that he was excited about, mostly right. because he wants to be genie. I just um, want them to cast Riz Ahmed as a uh, as Aladdin. He was the one who was in uh, the new Star Wars movie that we saw. He was in Rogue One. Yes. Yeah, and he's he was, too old. No, he's not. You you have not seen him without a beard because he was. Like, no, I'm all, saying if you're going specifically by what they're looking for, he's too old. I will I will show you pictures where he looks very very young. Trust me. So I can be uh, more grossed out by him. Cool. You're grossed out by him. No, I'm just saying. Why do you hate Middle Eastern people, Britt? Oh wow! That- <laughs> wow, not even cool. <laughs> all right, so back to Beauty and the Beast. So 
Uh, you've seen the trailer, I'm sure, like a hundred times for this because it's um, been yeah, everywhere. Because as soon as it started getting leaked, my cousin started sending it to me because yeah. this was our movie when we were little. And I think she and I are having a little different of opinion on it. Okay. I, so what's your opinion on it? Well, like I'm more cautious, especially you when you touch my childhood. No. Like, Don't point, become a Ghostbusters point fan. On, no. Point on the doll where the bad man touched you. <laughs> it, the movie, we own the original movie. It won't change anything. No, I know it okay. won't change anything. But like the thing is, is that I like this is not the same movie. And so I'm trying to make sure that I am separated from it and not expect it to be the same movie. Mm. And I think that's where people get like really tripped up on it is they're like oh, isn't that Disney's like, fault though for like rebooting their own yes, franchise no, that shouldn't, is, you, that is. shouldn't you expect at least something really similar but they're also but they're also like doing this on purpose because they know they'll make a shitload of money oh, because yeah. we're all at the right generation where we're like I have money yeah exactly yeah so you so why is it that you're cautious is it just because you're you're scared that like it won't live up or is there something that you've seen in the trailers and stuff like that that makes you worry? Okay, well first off, Maleficent was a major disappointment for me. Yes. So I put a lot of like hope and love into that movie and really then did. they like they like were... ripped me down. So <laughs> You're like it's not dark. Oh, my cold little heart. This sucks. <laughs> it's too happy. <laughs> I like no, like that is not like I'm tired of people making villains into something that like had to have something that turned them bad. No, sometimes things are just bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you sound like me talking about Halloween. So uh, what about <laughs> Beauty and the Beast? So so with Beauty and the Beast, a lot of it's hard for me because um, I have voice recognition with stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, uh, who is it? Ewan McGregor, McGregor mm. is like really messing with my head right now. With the, the French accent? Yeah. Because Actually, from what I hear in early reviews, like it sounds much worse in the trailer, and it's actually pretty good. No, it's not. It's so. not like his rendition of it. It's because Lumiere is a very specific voice to me. Oh yeah, for so, sure. So so it throws me off. Um, also, like I mean, I don't know. I just what? Just, uh, you look like you're about to say something hurtful, and I can't wait. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I don't know. I lost it. It'll come back to me like while we're in the car, and then I'll have to like Steven Universe it. <laughs> um, oh, it's such a good comeback. Um. No, I don't know. It's just, I think I've also been in too many productions of Beauty and the Beast mm. and seen too many productions at this point. Um, so I'm just, I'm just really nervous about how they're going to portray things. Uh, I'm not particularly happy with how the Beast looks. He looks unfinished. So that doesn't give me much hope for any of the other enchanted creatures um yeah. cogsworth look pretty cool but a little too ornate so there's like there's, there's too much going on yeah so there's touches <laughs> there's touches like that where i like i feel like it's it's again suffering from now we have the technology and right, right. they're bulldozing something that doesn't need to be bulldozed like sure. let's throw in as many cogs and ha, ha nice cogs, nice uh, and, and whistles and like make it as fancy as possible and like show people what we can do now right um and like, some of that's upsetting because I think you lose a lot of what made Beauty and the Beast beautiful because what made it beautiful was the fact that it was a marrying of two different art styles that mm -hmm. respected each other. Right. And I don't feel like this is going to be doing that. I feel like it's just going to be, look what I can do with technology. And I think that's been, like, one of my big problems with Disney animation in general mm. is, like, they're getting rid of so much of the traditional touches. Right. And another reason why I hate that people hated on Princess and the Frog so much because it was the first time that we got back to some traditional cells and it was gorgeous. Yeah. And people are just like, rawr, it's not about white people. Right. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So I'm 
I'm I'm going to say some things, and one of them at least is going to piss you off. Oh, here we so, go. All right. Um, I love the cast here. I think in general, like I think uh, I was a little doubtful about Luke Evans as Gaston, but oh my god! Like but now I saw a clip him, of that, and I'm so ready for it. Like, yeah, he's that, great. Him and LeFou are the things that I'm waiting for. I love that LeFou is an outright gay character because please, because he is. If I like mean, even in the original, he's basically an outright right. gay and, character. And also, like when the original came out, you can't really say that yet because. Wow, were we hating gays back then? Yeah, what was that like? Ninety two. Yeah, that came out. Yeah, yeah. So, but he looks really good. I like Dan Stevens as the Beast. I think that's a good choice. Kevin Klein is in it. Ewan McGregor, Ian McKellen, Emma Thompson. Like this is is a great cast. It's a great cast, and I was very excited for the cast. Hurtful um, thing. Here's the hurtful thing. Uh, I think Emma Watson has only done one thing in her career, but I don't think she's a very good actress. I haven't. She hasn't done anything else that has been memorable. Or even good. Okay, well, I have a movie that I have saved that I think we should watch. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. But supposedly it's supposed to be one of her better performances. Also, uh... Do you remember what it is? It's, it's on Netflix. I don't mm. remember. It starts with a C. That's all I got. Okay. Um, I don't think Belle is that far off of a character from Hermione. It's, uh, I think it's she's not. a little more... She's a little more polite. She's a little Hermione more is. polite. She's a little more daydreamy. But I think especially, like, as far as, like, the being obsessed with books and all that kind of things, I think, I don't yeah. think, I don't think she, I mean, honestly, I see, Belle I, doesn't require a lot. <laughs> I can see why she got cast. I get it. But she's going to have to carry this movie in a lot of ways. Because if you don't care about Belle, none of this other nonsense matters. Whereas Hermione, right. you have these other two characters that you can bounce off of. But I think Belle is also a really easy character to pull off even when you can't act because I've seen right. some productions. We'll see. We'll see. So I just looked at uh, her filmography and she's never... Oh, The Colony. Is that the one you're yeah. talking about? All right. So I was like, I don't see any movies that start with C. Um, yeah, it looks good. Metascore of 33. Looks... Uh, Looks awesome. I'm sure she'll be great in it. Um, so. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I didn't look any of that shit up. I just listened to people. Yeah, well, there's your mistake. Um, so yeah, so Says the guy who's been picking all our movies based off of what people say, and then they suck. Uh, there's been like one or two that are bad, but most of them have been good. No. So, yeah, I, th I think you're being judgy. Um, but I think overall I am looking forward to Beauty and the Beast. I'm sure it will be, at, at the very least, it'll be fun to look at. At least it's not a movie that you're like, pick a different month. Which he's been doing with every movie because he doesn't month. want it to ruin his birthday. Oh yeah, it's not. It's no, nowhere near that bad. It's not the Boss Baby, uh, which is a personal affront to me. I want to figure out how to like take you into that movie without you realizing that that's where we're going. You want us to be in couples therapy? Is that what you're, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Okay, cool, good to know. Um, I hear but, it works. I don't. But know. I have not heard that. Um, <laughs> but I've done couples therapy on the other side of it. No, pass. Um, so that's, of course, the big release this week, but I didn't really want to do that, uh, probably because it's the biggest release and every podcast in the world be talking about Beauty and the Beast and Dave, who cares. Because for some reason, Dave doesn't want to argue with people, which is really weird and out of character. Uh, it's just, it's exhausting. I'm, I'm tired. So the movie we are going to cover, and I'm crossing my fingers that I'll actually be able to go see a showing of it, um, cause who knows how this will work out, but is the Belko experiment, which is a horror movie. And it says in a twisted social experiment, 80 Americans are locked in their corporate office in Columbia and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. And basically we saw the trailer and it's written by James Gunn, um, who got his start in horror, but really got famous by doing guardians of the galaxy. Like that's what I was mm -hmm. sure. I'm sure the majority of people know him from. 
but it's basically like there's a certain amount that need to be killed by by a certain time. So yeah. it's it is definitely kill or be killed. So what did you think of the trailer for the Belko experiment? I thought it looked interesting. It would be something that I would watch. I obviously enjoy his horror movies, so now I know whenever to go back and rewatch it. Um, <laughs> don't know how I blocked that out, but I did. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think sometimes horror movies take themselves so seriously that they miss a point and then that's when people get more disappointed. Yeah, I feel um, like it's the two extremes, right? Either not seriously right. at all or like art house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think he gives just enough twist to it that it's enjoyable no matter like how it comes out. Right. And I mean, like, you know, he likes to cast people like Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And it's gonna be interesting to see how well he does with this because you don't have it, we're covering Slither, and we'll talk about that on our next episode, but there's a lot more room to work. There's outdoors, there's this. This is essentially a locked room movie. Right. So. Well, I don't think that's any different than what they did with the end of Cabin in the Woods. They were essentially yeah. locked in a facility. And, I and like, same thing with uh, Resident Evil, like, locked in a facility. Like, right. that's scarier because there's no way for you to get out. And this is telling you this is how you're going to get out. So I think this is going to be a movie yeah. that really shows you human nature. Yeah, I guess I'm saying, like, I haven't seen James Gunn do that. Not oh. horror movies do that. So it's going to be interesting to see how he how he deals with the limitations, I think. With an actor, with a writer, that's where you see... I, but I think he plays well with his actors. So oh, yeah, definitely. I, like, I don't but think that's But he's not directing be... this. Oh. He's only writing it. Oh. So so we'll see. Uh, but speaking wow. of that cast, it is a pretty good cast. Uh, Michael Rooker is in it, who is also in Slither. Who's Dr. Cox? Um, that's John C. McGinley. Thank you. Uh, and also Sean Gunn uh, of Gilmore Girls fame. For you, yeah? yeah, you follow me, okay? Yeah, good. Um, That's why I gave you that look. I'm sorry <laughs> they can't see it. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Uh, and John Gallagher Jr., who was the the villain in Hush, is also in it. So, hmm. is there something you're trying to see on the screen? I'm just reading. <laughs> you're, oh my god! All right, so um, this movie looks really simple, but it also looks really fun. Like I I saw the trailer and I was like. This looks crazy, and I am down for this. Like, yeah, no. You know, it's, it's going to be like an hour and 25 minutes. There's going to be blood and guts. It's going to be nuts, and it's going to be fun. There's going to be some amazing one-liners. Sorry, still tired. Yeah. Almost guaranteed to have some fun one-liners. Wake up. You're almost done. How long is this going on, <laughs> You're almost boy? almost done. What are you expecting for this movie? Do you think it'll be actually good or so bad it's good? I, like, I kind of get the feeling that it's going to be like Shaun of the Dead. I don't think it'll be that good. I don't think it'll be that clever. But I think it's going to be in that vein of like mm. people going back to watch it just for like there's a little red on you, you know? Like, mm. I hope so. I hope you're right. That would be awesome if it if it gets anywhere close to Shaun of the Dead. I will be really because happy. that was kind of the feel that I got from the trailer was a Shaun of the mm. Dead esque feel. So okay, cool. Um, so these three movies we covered, uh, Raw. You have no interest in seeing. Nope. It sounds like Beauty and the Beast. Obviously, yep. You're gonna like have to see. It was like a box of tissues. Uh, <laughs> and what about this movie? Where do you where do you sit on this? I'd like to see this. Okay, cool. So two out of three. That's a pretty good week. All right. Um, so anything else you want to bring up before we say goodbye? Dave needs to trust me when I say I'm too tired to watch a movie. Yeah. Well, we have plans this weekend, so there weren't many options as uh -huh. to when we could watch it. So mm -hmm. I blame your parents. Um, as usual. <laughs> so, <laughs> why is it you can talk crap about my family on here? Why not? Because she doesn't listen. That's the difference. <laughs> my mom actually listens. She's supportive. 
Um, Whoa. Kidding, kidding, kidding. All right. Um, so that's it for this episode. Uh, the next time you hear me, we will be talking about Slither, which will be pairing with the Belko experiment. So until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. I'm sitting in my car. It's cold. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back to the usual. <laughs> Another high quality production from Mongo Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs>